What is up and welcome to the Beware the Bay podcast today. We're going to be talking about the last game of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers season, what we liked and didn't like from the game and the season as a whole, and what we're looking forward to in the offseason, all that and more on today's podcast. Bucks fans, my name is Micah Frink, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Brandon, Uncle B, Ricketts, and we are recording on the Wednesday after the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' unfortunate loss to the Falcons on Sunday. It's New Year's Day. I'm hearing fireworks outside. I guess people are festive. I don't know, man. I'm not feeling festive, man. How are you feeling? Um, I'm still feeling festive. I mean, you know, it's still that, that time of year, you know. It could be worse. We could be talking about a uh, terrible, terrible season, but we could also be talking about a win, which we're not. So there's that. But, you know, it's festive. It's that time of year. I'm in a good mood. Everyone had a good day yesterday. So let's just keep it up. And New year, new me. Yay. <laughs> Maybe it'll be new year, new bucks. Uh, I mean, in some, in some ways, in some ways, Brandon, I feel like we've seen um, a little bit uh, you know, kind of a foreshadowing of what the new Bucks could be. Of course, we'll get into all of that. Um, but uh, as always, guys, I mean, you know, we always celebrate holidays here with the Beware the Bay podcast. So happy New Year, uh, Merry Christmas. Hope you guys had a good one. Unfortunately, the Bucks did not treat us to a win in the final week of the season. Um, but like Brandon said, you know, we can count our blessings. We don't always have to be a Debbie Donner, right? I mean, and uh, you know, I'm. I'm I, I feel the love, Brandon, and you know what? I think I'm going to jump on the train of, of gratitude. How's that sound? Oh, that sounds good. That sounds good. The the season of giving, as Jameis Winston go. did 30-plus times this year. <laughs> it's it's remarkable. We'll get into it, guys. We'll get into it. The, uh, the jokes abounded on Sunday. I even saw the ESPN 30 for 30. Oh, the, the, ouch. The, the account itself was tweeting mm. about Jameis. So you know you've hit, you know you've made it when ESPN 30 for 30 tweets you. So anyway, uh, let's get right into it. You know how we start. We always start with our one word and our immediate reaction. I'll give mine, and hey, listen, I am feeling pretty positive today, but but this is my one word. It is what it is. Predictable. Mm. Predictable. Mm. That's my one word. Okay. The offense balled out. They did. We were up at half. We had some great plays from the defense. You know, we had Devin White running back. A ninety-something yard 91. fumble return, ninety-one. Ninety-one. I don't want to cut him that one yard. I apologize. <laughs> um, and, and listen, man, we we were playing well in the first half. We had all the momentum going into the half. We even had the ball after halftime. Yeah, go figure. And and we came out flat. And mm-hmm. the you know the the defense they did what they could, but the offense was a mess. And um, you know, man, held us in the game. We had some key misses on special teams, uh, but at the end of the game, we still had a chance to go out and win the ball game. And it was overtime, and we, we line up. Mm. Very very first play, mm. there's a there's a route towards the sideline, mm-hmm. and and I'll let you guys fill in the blank. It, it, you know, we know mm-hmm. what happened. The season was history, mm. and that's the sad part about it to me. Was this was the second week in a row that an interception sealed the game, and that's the reason why I chose the word predictable, because on those routes, Jameis Winston has been predictable this season. At that particular time of the game, Jameis Winston has been predictable. In fact, the whole season, it seems to be predictable, whether it's Jameis, whether it's special teams misses, whether it's the whole team coming out flat in the second half. This was a game that I've seen many times before in snippets throughout the season. It just happened to end on the last game of the season, 
predictable. And um, it was frustrating, but I think that that was the word that ultimately came to mind mm. because I think I've seen this game play out too many times, and I hope next season uh, we can have less and less of these kind of games. Mm. Yeah, I I can see where you could get predictable from. Um, I wouldn't say predictable. I think it was more frustration, and I saw a lot of frustration from a lot of fans. Um, there was a couple of people that, you know, who we follow who were just so depleted that even just after a balling out first half, like you were so frustrated at what the outcome came to, you can't really put the blame on just that ending play that essentially did end our season and our, you know, and the, you know, our ended the season and the game. But at the same time, there was other things that was a domino effect to that point where we shouldn't have been in that point to begin with. So, yeah. just disappointment. I'm I'm very disappointed. Very disappointed, as Lovey Lovey Smith would say. I'm very disappointed. <laughs> and you know, the ironic thing is that that kind of works with my word too, because I think last week your word was disappointed. So this is predictable, guys. Yep. It's predictable. Yep. <laughs> um, and, and that's I think that's the thing that you know maybe baffled a lot of uh, Bucks fans. I know it baffled me was I just thought, man, and I even said this, guys. I said unless something dramatically changes. In the last two weeks of the season, you know, Jameis Winston's coming back next year. He'll get a deal. And, yeah, I don't think, you know, too much has changed as far as – I mean, he definitely has a lot less leverage. But, guys, the dramatic thing happened. I mean, it wasn't – this wasn't Cincinnati bad. This wasn't London bad. Um, but, man, I mean, that's just a terrible This was New York bad. Mouth. This was the New York game bad. This is how yeah. this game kind of went down to. And let's just jump into our highs and lows now because uh, – we got a lot to talk about tonight, but the highs, you know, so let's start with one of the lows and we'll just go back to that New York game where a kick, three of these kicks off a foot of Matt freaking gay missed the field goal. Come on, brother. You got to get, yeah, that's nine points that was left off the board. That's nine points that we were not going to be tied with the team. That's nine points that we were going to be ahead of a football team. And yet we still could not get through the uprights. Frustration. I mean, there is no way, no way that Jameis Winston would have to worry about that one interception, that pick six that ended the season on that game-ending throw that he made. And no one would be talking about that because of Matt Gay missing those three field goals. If he would have made them, oh, we're talking about a different game. We won, you know, we're 8-8, eight and eight, you know, Bucks are up and up. No, he misses three field goals, Bucks are in another mm-hmm. kicking battle again. What is going on? Matt Gay, you were you had your battles. I get it. But come on, man. What is going through your mind? Okay, I'm yeah. done. <laughs> it, it, no, 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 no. It was rough. I mean, it was rough. And in, in, uh, to be honest with you, I, I think he's a pro. You know, uh, Matt Gay, he stood in front of the media. And, and I think, I don't know who it was, Greg Allman, Rick Stroud. Their profile pictures kind of look the same, so I, I forget sometimes. Um, but they, you know, somebody, uh, they tweeted, uh, it might have been Mark Cook. He, either but anyway that said that you know hey matt gay stood in front of the media and a a fan commented and said well isn't that what he's supposed to do and matt uh mark cook i believe said uh well you know a lot of other pros might have actually tried to duck out after the game that he had because i think everyone knows that Jameis winston wouldn't have even been in a position to throw that last pick had matt gay made one two uh or all three of his kicks to be honest with you and and i think he deserves you know the same the same uh, critique that we give every single game for bad performances, right? I mean, you, just because you've been playing well, you know, the the 
throughout the majority of the season doesn't mean you're one bad performance that did cost the team the game. I mean, we can't just excuse that. And and I wrote down on my sheet, he's my number one low because here's the hot take. Jameis Winston would not have been in the position to throw the last pick six had Matt Gay made his field goals. Now, he missed three field goals, right? Uh, Bruce Arians, if you if you go back and watch this press conference, by the way, guys, it's fascinating. And we're going to get to some of the the quotes and some of the topics that he talked about hey, towards quick, the end of quick, our podcast. Yeah, quick. go ahead. Um, guys, I do realize that my mic probably went out, and I do apologize about it. I had it recording back, so if you guys missed that part, my rant, all I did was I just ranted on Matt Gay and the intro. So I do apologize about that. You'll hear it on the podcast, but... Michael, we're just going to keep on rolling because we have it still recorded. So we're still good. So I apologize about that, guys. I just went on a full-on rant about Matt Gay, and you guys missed it. I literally was screaming into this microphone, and you guys missed it. So I can't wait for you guys to hear it back on the podcast. I do apologize about that. Well, I mean, the real question is, is did my mic go out? Because if my mic went, didn't go out, we're good. No, I mean, they heard me. No, so that's heard, the most important yeah. thing, oh, right? Oh, oh, okay. No, <laughs> they, they definitely heard your. Uh, they definitely heard your uh, yours. It was just mine. I realized it after. Uh, thanks, Chris, uh, Christopher Cole, for uh, letting us know that. I do appreciate it. But yeah, I just went on a rant about how, if we were talking about, uh, how those okay. nine points, if we didn't get those nine points we would not be in the situation where we were to Jameis Winston to throw that last interception. So my first low was Matt Gay. Yeah. So that was just a little recap for you guys who were just watching me babble in my mouth for yeah. in a silent. All good, man. And, and I mean, I basically said the same thing, and I think most Bucks fans, they would agree that it was frustrating to sit there after a season where Matt Gay had kicked in the 80s, 80%. 80 um, and that's pretty good for a Bucks kicker. He actually dropped down to the 70s after this game, which, I mean, just goes to show you what one bad performance can do uh, for a kicker. Yeah, you and, know, he, going from and he basically got the rookie numbers now. Like, he was not playing at a rookie um, level this year. He was definitely playing at a um, more pro level. You know, like he looked more vet seasoned veteran than he did um, than any other kicker that we've had the last couple of years. So it was good to yeah. see. It, it was a fluke thing, but it was yeah. that – those three kicks, we wouldn't been in the situation to have Jameis throw that overtime interception, and that's what really hurt us. Yeah, and I mean, I'll I'll just be honest with you. I I've said this all season, and I've been writing it down. I've been keeping track of it. Is I have not been impressed with Matt Gay in pressure situations. You know, you you obviously had the New York game, and that was a big I think shake to his confidence. And then at different times throughout the season, we haven't needed him very much for games. It's our games haven't been decided, you know, by a close enough margin throughout the season where we've we've needed him to make them, except for of course the Giants and then, you know, this Falcons game. I mean, but there have been some kicks that were big that would have made it to possession games or you know when points were at a premium, he didn't make the kick. Right. I mean, we, we, we've seen a couple of different times throughout the season, and I would look for him in the offseason to do as Bruce said, which is to go and keep kicking out of that south end zone. Something about the, the end zone and, and Raymond James, you know, Matt Gay has not performed well in, at home specifically on that one end zone. So I'm looking for Matt Gay to take a step next season. Of course, they'll probably, like Bruce said, bring in some kicking competition, and I think that'll be good for, for him to just continue to grow. Maybe we can just bring Pat McAfee in and just scare him up a little bit, who is, by the way, all pro or all decade punter of the year, you know, just throwing that in there but yeah i do agree um i don't really want to see another kicking battle though uh just my opinion on it because 
it doesn't seem to help our situation year after year after year bringing these guys in i mean yeah it gives them something but let the punter do some field goals see what he can do whittle down to just one kicker i mean i know it's a lot on his leg but you know if you, the kicker can kick field goals and punt it might work just saying yeah, well, I mean, there was a guy who did that, and he ended up getting cut. But I mean, you know, we'll we'll see. Maybe that's the next evolution of of the kicker is to to continue to whittle it down to where you only need the one, you know, the one spot uh, on your special teams, and you can end up using that as a ro- I mean, it, another roster spot. I mean, it's it's a it's an interesting idea. It's just execution of that idea. You know, can you get someone that's that skilled? or that's been doing it long enough to do it at a pro level. Um, but enough about Matt Gay. I mean, I think we are, we're all in agreement that, you know, of the main culprits of the loss on Sunday, it, Matt Gay was definitely one of the main culprits. And uh, I think he deserves to be on the low list. But Brandon, I got to go to my next low. And um, we're not James haters. We're not James lovers. You're actually we, going there, aren't you? Oh, I am. I am. Listen, 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 listen. We, we call it like we see it, and at least I try to. I don't know. I don't know about you, Brandon, but I, I try to call it like I see it. I mean, I'm just trying to be real here. Jameis has to be on the low list, man. We, and, and we're going to talk about some of BA's comments on uh, Jameis Winston, really on the whole team towards the end of the podcast. Um, but for this game, you, you got to put him on this list. You do. I mean, he, he did play well in the first half. And granted, you know, we all know the context, guys. We all know the context. He's down Chris Godwin. He's down Mike Evans. He's down um, it, it, uh, Scotty Miller. And Brashard Perriman has been balling out and in large part to, to Jameis Winston. So I'm not taking any of that away. But at the same time, Jameis also had a run game this time, this, this game. He also had pretty good blocking in this game. The defense was balling out, and at the end of the game, when you need your fifth-year quarterback to make plays, to make throws, to be smart, he did the exact opposite thing of what you needed from a quarterback of, of his, you know, really of his maturation at this point. What you're looking for is not for him to completely get rid of his interceptions. We all know that's not going to happen. Okay, we all know that. But what you're looking for is just a smarter decision making, better execution. And Bruce um, said in his press conference, which I highly recommend going to watch, it's a lot of context on this whole thing and, and his mentality. Um, but he even said that that was not a good place to throw to because Cambrate was covered and it was just his favorite guy. So you're seeing this out of a fifth year quarterback still making these decisions. But at the same time, too, why call a route going to the sideline when Jameis has struggled to make that throw every single game this season? So I, yeah, I mean, some of it's on co- some of it's on coaching. However, however, I it, this made it all the worse, Brandon, that I was sitting right next to my father-in-law, oh. and <laughs> the game is the game is close. The game is close. I have confidence in the defense. They've held a six-point lead the whole half, right? Offense ended squat, but I'm like, you know what? Maybe maybe the gods will shine on me in this moment to where I can I can best my father-in-law right here. I'm I'm doing nothing, but you know it's a pride thing, right? And he says this. He said, "Oh, Jameis has one interception left before he's in the 30-30 club. He's gonna throw a pick six on the first pass of overtime." Oh, <laughs> and he did it! And he did it! Can you believe oh, I that? I can't man? wait to I meet was... your father-in-law. I that man. I just want to shake his hand just for embarrassing you like that. I wish that was. I wish <sighs> over and over I wish again. your wife would have gotten that on camera. That would have been like so devastating to like just 
splatter all over Facebook, you know, just all over Twitter, all over Instagram, just your face of disappointment. You, you would have looked like Steve Harvey last night when Gronkowski <laughs> like slammed his Lego head yeah. into the ground. Um, but, okay, I get it. I get it. But at the same time, you're right, coaching. The ball going down, you know, to the sideline. Jameis has not been good. However, in the same game, there was several plays where Brashaw Perryman on the sideline has some tiptoe grabs, and he caught those balls. So what? at what point are you putting it on Cameron Brait for not being a defender? Because Perryman had a player defender a couple times this game as well because the ball wasn't put in the right spot. Now, that was Jameis, or was it the receivers? I don't know. You know who? Knows. No, but they, yeah. Well, I think the first one, the first one, we can we can say with at least a little bit of confidence that that probably was on the receiver. Yes, because he 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 did a little juke move or whatever, and was cut cut inside, went back outside, and it just it threw Jameis off. And you know we can definitely put that one on you know the receiver. But at the same time, he hasn't really practiced with those guys more than maybe three three two weeks. Not even enough to say. Cameron Brait, though. Well, I mean, I, I I hear your point about the original ones. My my point is he stared down the route. It was an out route. It's a timing pass. You stared it down. You let the guy jump the pass. It's already late, and you're throwing to Cam Brait, who's covered. You've been playing with Cam Brait for like five years now. I mean, yeah, that's but Cam Brait's also is, a beast who you know is like a you know a big tight end who can overwhelm a small five foot six foot you know little defensive back who you can just swallow up and just knock the ball away like Brashaw Perryman had did earlier in the game. I don't know. I'm just saying it could go both ways. I'm not defending Winston, but I'm just saying, you know, there was a lot of wrong with that play and then that, you know, just overall in that one play, coaching, you know, Bray, you know, how, you know, you could put a little bit of blame on Winston, a little bit of blame on Bray, a little bit of blame on the coaching because those are not the plays that you want to be calling on a overtime game because yeah when Bashaw Perry yeah. met get it on the inside I mean obviously yeah yeah you know you're you're not playing a two-minute drill right now you're playing to go down and score a touchdown first it's the first right. to score a touchdown really you know ultimately not a, not a field goal and obviously the field goal game was not working very well for us so you know I don't know I'm just saying and and I mean it's and this is this is the irony of the quarterback that we get to watch Brandon is is the the play I mean the play of this quarterback produces some of the most um uh, I don't want to say divisive conversations but I guess if you've looked at some of the comment sections on you know any kind of Bucks post about Jameis Winston you know you would see that it's relatively divisive and even two people can look at the same play and have different opinions i mean the i think here's the reality oh is, and hold on Ari said yeah, Ari said in the comments i'm like reading the comments as we go Ari said heard that the ball or the pick six at the end was tipped um i'm i, I know i i know i didn't and, and i didn't get Bray to see i didn't get to see the replay so i can't i'm sorry i only watched the play i watched the game once i was with family all weekend so i didn't get yeah. to, you know i didn't really get to see it so i can't put my input but you want to put your input on it yeah, I do. I mean, it was tipped a little bit, um, and both James Winston and Brait said that. But then Bruce Arians clarified it later that, irregardless, that was the wrong decision on that play. And and what we're talking about is decision making, much less than, uh, much more than we're talking about execution. So that's my thing with James, man. He is a phenomenal athlete, and and. Pl- baller man he really is he's a gamer he's an incredible quarterback he's the he's the most talented 
uh, quarterback we've had in in Bucks franchise history. He, I mean, let's look at the positives, right? He hit five thousand yards. I mean, only a select few quarterbacks Eight. in NFL history Eight now. have done that. Eight now. Eight. You can count them on two hands, and that's amazing. He hit, what, 33 touchdowns? That's also incredible. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he threw 30 picks. That's almost unheard of. And the 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 level of the, the duality of Jameis that we see, here's the problem, is, is Jameis haters will always have ammunition. Jameis supporters will always have ammunition. But my thing is this, is can – for the team success, we're not talking about person. I don't care if you like Florida State. Okay, that's great. I don't care if you like the Gators. Says a Gators fan. coming from a Gators fan, y'all. Yeah, coming from I, a Gators fan. Listen, just, I don't really watch there. the Gators. I don't. I don't care if the, if the Gators win or not. The Bucks have always been my team. I grew up watching the Bucks. I don't really care about the Gators. But listen, what I'm saying is, is Jameis's play. You can find positives and negatives. You can. But can you win consistently with someone who gives the ball away? that much that's always been the question Brandon and for one single year for one single year of Jameis Winston's career he showed that he could play uh, with a low amount of of turnovers and that was at Florida State no other year has he thrown you know a um, I guess an elite amount or elite level of you know low interceptions it just is what it is it's who Jameis is and the question is is can you win with that can you play with that Bruce Arians seems to believe so, and we'll talk more about those comments. <laughs> I can't but he wait. Also, I can't wait. I can't wait. He also said some other things. So you know what? I think I've I've just about said my piece on Jameis for now. Do you got anything else before we move on? Um, nah. I I guess the coaching a little bit, the, the game calling a little bit, just kind of aggravated me a little bit. Um, even though I think it was more like the offensive side of the ball during the second half. Uh, that was probably like a little low. Like we weren't moving the ball enough and. I don't know if it was the play calls or if it was just the players just I don't know it we had our starters out there it wasn't like we were I mean when I say starters it was everyone who started the game you know it wasn't like you know we cut everyone back or let Jameis you know Mm -hmm. heal back a little bit it was them trying to play ball and they let the Falcons back into the game and ultimately came to their demise so um coaching a little bit you know I don't know it, how you felt on it but i definitely thought the play calling at the end definitely uh held us back um versus you know going down scoring maybe another touchdown versus kicking another field goal i mean that's you know you're yeah. also talking about six points three you know times three versus three missed three missed kicks yeah and i mean the the offense moved the ball enough to be in position to to score some points right uh, but as I was listening to some podcasts this week, and, you know, I mean, we're as much fans as we are, you know, we watch the game and want to talk about it. Like, I listen to podcasts, read articles, and, you know, watch the press conferences just like you do. And a couple of the podcasters I was listening to were talking about how it's been a trend that we'll do well in the first half, and then the play calling begins to change in the second half. It gets a little bit more conservative. And one of them was, I believe, speculating maybe about, like, just Bruce and his kind of conservative old school mentality with that but I mean I think at the end of the day like the run game was working and much better than um the previous game in the previous game he broke off like one long run Rojo did and then the rest of the game was kind of you know here and there and the average at the end was pretty good but this game it was a bona fide great game for running back it was over 100 yards and uh, we'll get into the highs but but then running too much I don't know it is what it is and I think the only other kind of lows that I wanted to hit real quick before we go to the highs um, was Justin Watson and O.J. Howard. Real quick, 
Justin Watson, he he had the bad route that looked like it caused the first pick, and then you know he had a bad drop late in the game. You would like to see in a game where Brashard Perryman is your number one, you'd like to see some of the other guys who are fighting for being on the team next year and continuing to be you know um, contributors to the offense. You'd like to see them step up, and in the same way, you'd like to see a guy like O.J. Howard step up. Where was that guy? I mean, he was invisible, right? <laughs> All season, I mean, really. Yeah. I mean, and he, I, I saw him post on Instagram. It was kind of funny, to be honest with you. Um, it, it was a pretty cool picture. I liked his shirt. You should go check it out. It had leopards on it. Uh, but he said, you know, I had to overcome a lot this year and, and learn some different things and, you know, accept kind of where I was at and, you know, get over some stuff. And I'm thinking like, man, there's something just not clicking with OJ and this coaching staff and his role on the team. And I'm thinking, just this kind of just a gut-level feeling, Brandon, man, I, I, I think we might end up trying to trade him. I don't know about you, man, but it, it doesn't seem like Bruce has, has much for him on offense and it doesn't seem like OJ is happy with where he's at. What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, I don't know. We talked about it during the trade deadline, I, who we would rather keep versus who we'd rather trade. And I think we both had a good majority of who we would rather trade, and I think we would rather have trade Brait versus OJ. However, during the season, you know, Brait was doing a lot more than OJ. So, I don't know. Maybe was Cameron Brait is more fit for this system versus uh, OJ Howard? Um, probably. Um, however, OJ has to learn because regardless of where he goes, he's going to have to learn what system they're running because, yeah. you know, you're not playing in a college system anymore. You have to learn. And when he got brought in, when he got drafted, we were kind of, I think we were running the same system that he was in college. Don't, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but you know, when you bring in a whole new coaching staff and a young player who's on the offense side of the ball and having to learn a new system and you're not mm-hmm. really playing the system that he's used to, then you start, that's when they start messing with the player's minds. And I think in my opinion, and you know, I think that's what happened, but I do agree. I don't see him being happy here. Um, yeah. Whether we keep it or not, it could just come down to what we do in the draft versus what we do in free agency. Sure. Well, and I mean, it, at the end of the day, I mean, in Alabama, he was almost, it almost seemed like he was equally overlooked in some ways. I mean, of course, he'd break off some big plays, but he was, you know, then coming into Dirk Cutter's offense, Dirk was like using him all the time on a lot of different stuff and designing a lot more for him. And maybe it's just been a uh, kind of a funky year for OJ, but, you know, there's there's been some, I just think there's been a disconnect. And we'll see. I know we're going to talk about a little bit about free agents, but we got to get moving, man. We If we're ever going to get there, man, we got to get moving. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's get into some of our highs. You want to start? Sure, man. I, I'm going to take the obvious one. That is Shaq. Barrett, Shaq Barrett, and and the D line. I'm gonna give it to the whole D line too, but let's let's give Shaq his props first. The man had three of the total six sacks by the Bucks defense, and in doing so, Brandon, he he broke Warren Sapp's single season sack record for the Bucks franchise. That is that's worth a round of applause. Yeah, it is. It 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 really does, and it really um. You know, he had the opportunity had he been uh, the opportunity to go out there and play the position, not get double team when JPP was out. He could have probably broken, you know, Michael Strahan's sack record at 22 and a half. So 
you know there was, it was close or it was, was it 20 is it 22 and a half or 23 i don't remember it's in the it's 20 some somewhere. absurd number yeah some crazy high number. i don't remember but he had that opportunity and i, I we bring him back because he's a free agent that come you know starting the off season we're going to bring him back oh taste that sweet chin music folks because they are going to be tearing it up again next year their people are going to start fearing that Bucks defensive line, and we are going to be tearing it up. I just can't wait. But it, it was hats off to you know Sha- Shaq Sack Barrett, as people were saying yeah. throughout the week. Shaq Sack Barrett, I love it. It was the sack title. Give it to him. I mean, it was it was yeah. beautiful to see. And and it's sad. I mean, guys, it really is sad. This is the state of affairs with. Um, I don't know how to say this and I'm not this is not I'm not what I'm saying is not offensive. It's just our fan base is is smaller than a lot of other fan bases. It is what it is, right? I mean, Tampa is a smaller market. Uh, there's not as much reach of our team. We are the faithful, uh, but I mean New York, right? LA, just bigger Texas, bigger fan bases just because I mean th- I mean they're obnoxious teams. I mean, come on, right? Uh, but Shaq is not even, he's like number seventh on the voting for the defensive player of the year. It's just ridiculous. This I hate this whole system because the man who has wreaked havoc over the whole the whole NFL and had what nine sacks through four games, you don't give that guy higher mm. than the seventh. Yeah. I mean, just it's it's people's voting. I just I really think it's overrated to just to be honest with you, to allow us as fans to to be a part of the voting at all. So I'm really hoping that Man, something gets ironed out in those things because these Pro Bowls, I understand it probably means little to nothing to most coaches, but it means something for their for their bank, man. I mean, like a lot of these guys have some, you know, incentives rolling on some of these awards and the numbers that they put up and the Pro Bowls. And so, um, man, he deserves every single accolade and he deserves some more respect around the league. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. I agree. But, yeah, let's continue talking about that defensive line, though. I mean, they were getting to that backfield six times, and ooh, they were close to my eight. They were close to the, that eight. I was hungry for it. I was hungry for that eight, but they got six. So I was happy with six, though. Um, but it was good to see because it's been consistent now, week after week after week, us being sack hungry. And I wish we were more turnover hungry, too. So, yeah. you know. But Devin White, let's talk about Devin White now. Ooh. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What a, I mean just what he's he's been balling out and Johnny on the spot. He he picks up a fumble recovery caused by none other than uh JPP, right? The guy is is inhuman and the defensive line was getting pressure on Matt Ryan the whole time and and um man, picks this up and he takes off. I mean that guy's got wheels and uh runs it all the way back for a 91-yard fumble recovery scoop and score. Incredible. Yeah. It, it was incredible. I mean, it, the whole – it's so beautiful to say this. Ever since we let go – and I hate, to, I, I hate to say it, but I'm going to love to say this at the same time. Ever since we let go of the virus that was going on in the defense side of the ball, the defense had played lights out. Like, they played up to the best defense in the league. I It was beautiful to see. We hadn't really seen it since – our 2000 early 2000 bucks so it was really good to see that all three sides of the ball or all all three phases of the defense were playing up lights out for the rest of the season so it was kudos to them i gosh i i can't i can't stop talking about it. like i'm i'm dreaming i'm flashback into 2000s man now like are we looking at like warren sap you know john lynch and uh uh Derek brooks out there because boy that's what i'm looking at right now <laughs> 
You know, you are, you, you really want it. You you really want this team to 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 get back in in their defensive prowess and 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 I think like you said and and I I haven't gone off the rails like Brandon has, okay? We're not looking at Warren Sapp out there. We're not looking at the 2000 team, 2002 team out there, but guys, we are building a really stout defense. And it's and the here's the key is it's all about bringing those guys back this next season yeah right? and that's we have to do it we have to do it and that's gonna it's gonna be difficult man um because you know there's there's just it's a, a limited amount of resources and and you've got to you got to make tough decisions but i think some of these decisions aren't as tough as you might think i mean and we'll talk about free agency towards the end but i mean of course you you, you cannot you cannot understate the impact that shaq barrett and jpp have made on this team i mean you, you know the the guy comes back, JPP comes back, and it's in kind of concordance with when Vernon Hargraves left. And so you could kind of look and say, I wonder if it's, you know, VH3 leaving or JPP coming back. But either way, the man is such a leader. And I think, you know, he his energy, the whole defense, the defensive line, um, they thrive. The front seven thrives. And then our secondary, much improved, has thrived around the energy and effort of Shaq and JPP, and so I'm really, really looking for the Bucks to get creative, bring as many of those guys from the front seven back as we can, and let's let's run it back, man. Let's let's have another great year of defensive prowess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, out of those, really, those guys that we're talking about, um, Bo Allen, Shaq Barrett, obviously, Carl Nassib, uh, JPP, and uh, uh, Sue, that's five guys right there that – were key players on that you know defense pretty much that defensive line because those outside linebackers were playing defensive line for literally half the season i don't understand why we have the i don't understand it anymore whatever but regardless those five guys right there need to come back and we need to find a way to pay those guys because i'm sorry but winston's not gonna get the 30 he's asking for just saying uh, and, and listen, we'll talk about all that. We'll talk about Bruce's comments. We'll talk about free agency towards the end of the podcast. But, but man, let's let's move on. I, I, I don't even want to move on, man. What a great defensive <laughs> effort. I mean, the only thing, my only gripe would be the, the run defense. Got a little bit lax towards the end. But, listen, I'm not, you know, running around out there in the, you know, whatever degree sun. So, I get it. You know, you can get a little tired. And, and I think that would be the only thing that was a little bit, you know, just a little bit of a negative. But moving on to – Another positive is Rojo. Can we talk about Ronald Jones for a second, man? His first 100-yard game of his career. What do you got to say about Ronald Jones? Ronald Jones, man, it was good. To, it was actually really good to see the running game come back. And we, you know, someone just posted it, or Anthony Towns said we need a, right, we just need a fullback like Mike Allsad again. Man, I'll tell you what, Ronald Jones was lowering his shoulders and was getting down and getting those yardage like he needed to this week and it was beautiful he's been doing it back-to-back weeks now where he's broke out and got some good runs um so it was good to see i would love to see him with a better offensive line almost um give him a little bit more of a hole uh so you know for more to say because if he could have a hole to run through and just slow down and just pay attention he could easily just break out and have multiple hundred yard games week after week after week after week it's easy it's you know easier said than done but i would love to see it and and you you absolutely have to credit to the the blocking and we had some really good offensive line blocking for pass protection 
and um, for the run game. And you saw um, Rojo breaking off some big runs. Um, but, man, you also saw some chunk plays that happened simply – well, not simply because it was a, a great combination of, of run blocking by the offensive line and um, really good vision and burst from Rojo. And so, man, you know, I'm, I'm excited about next season. I'm really hoping, Brandon, that Rojo pans out to be our number one back and that, you know, if, if we're going to do anything in the draft of uh, running back related, that it will just be for depth. Um, you know, there are a lot of guys that, you know, they could target, but we probably have some other areas of need. And um, and just a little teaser, guys, we're pretty excited for the offseason to talk a little bit of NFL draft as well. So we'll get to that, but I just wanted to give Rojo some big ups for a great, consistent, awesome game of 100 yards. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, that was our highs and lows, guys. That was our last highs and lows of the season. Let's, I mean, that was awesome. But let's break it down for our year-end review, Micah. Let's recap the season. Yeah, let me pull it up real quick, man. Uh, and um, while I'm doing that, just a, a big thank you to you guys. Of course, you know, all year you've supported us. This is our first season and, and doing this um, this podcast thing. And, you know, of course, when we started, we were a little, like, n- nervous, apprehensive. We just wanted to talk Bucks football. And um, it's turned out to be something really cool. And, and so as we're doing our year-end, you know, review of the Bucks, just a quick year-end review for us is, you know, uh, just a big thank you to you guys for the continued support. And we look forward to the offseason and, and going into next year strong and starting. Uh, we'll be, we won't be on IR the first three games, right? We'll be starting <laughs> all 16 games of next season. Uh, yeah, we'll be starting. Yeah, even the preseason. We'll, we'll be diving into the preseason, too. So, like, oh, yeah. I, I can't oh, yeah. wait for that. You know, you can't Brand- If Brandon – Brandon can get me off my butt. We'll be we'll be on the we'll do do the preseason too. If not, I'll 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 do the preseason solo. You know, if Micah's not too busy, but I'll definitely be doing some no. preseason games. Anyways, but uh yeah. So while Micah's pulling all that up, we got a lot of free agents that we're definitely gonna have to just get ready f- to resign or let go. And unfortunately, there's a lot that we're gonna need to resign. And it comes like we were just talking about on the defense side of the ball. Um, how? Are we going to do that, Micah? What are your thoughts on that? Like, are we going to go out and try to fix some of what we can? Because guess what? Shaq, Shaq, Shaq Barrett, he's going to get paid now. Yeah, rightfully so. Rightfully so. You know, Brandon, I I haven't been to Tampa in a long time. Um, and but I remember the last time I was there, I used to work at Chick Fil A, and I would go, I would drive up and down Fiftieth um, Street, um, or, or what is that? It's over there in Temple Terrace, and I saw um, they do like car washes. And so here's what I'm thinking: is is Jason Light and Mike Greenberg, we organize a car wash, and we just raise as much money as we can. We bring everybody back. That's my plan. So we'll see if that uh, works before before we get into that, Brandon. Oh my goodness! Before we get uh, into that, let oh. me let me do a quick review of the season before we jump into free agents. I want to I want to give the free agent talk its due. So let me okay. let me do this. Okay. Okay. Regular season, guys. We started off the year um, losing to the 49ers, 31 to 17. Of course, that came um, with the heartbreaking interception right at the end. Uh, but the Bucks bounced back. Um, we ended up were- winning. They were also a good 49ers team that turned out to be an electric 49ers team. Yeah, just literally jump in whenever if you want to say something. Okay, um, the next game, um, we we bounced back against the Panthers. Uh, if you remember, it was the big stop by the one who shall not be named. No, I'm just kidding. VH3 <laughs> had the big stop. And, um, guys, this was the beginning of what we would see as the 
the big Bucks run defense. We ended the year number one in run defense, and we held um, we held CMC down. Big so names. I mean, game. we're talking about big names. We're not talking about just Christian McCaffrey, who led the league with the you know the rushing title this year, but we're talking about like big names throughout the entire league. Yeah, yeah. CMC, uh, Saquon, Todd Gurley, Kamara. Um, you, you had a lot of great running backs. Of course, Carson and you know all those guys out in. Um, out on the Seahawks. Okay, so then um, we had the heartbreaker to the Giants at home. Uh, mm. We ended the game. We unfortunately lost on the leg of Matt Gay, thirty-two thirty-one. That was a tough one. Yep, that was a tough one. It, it was, was a tough one. But the inaugural Beware the Bay podcast happened right after the Bucks trounced the Rams fifty-five to forty. That was a fun, crazy game to watch. It I know was. We were excited. Man. Yeah, because I remember we got. We, we had gotten some beef from someone on Twitter saying, you guys are starting a podcast right after a Rams game? Ooh, that's going to be rough to talk about a loss. Oh, guess what, brother? We talked about a win on our first podcast, and we're just nothing about winners now. <laughs> oh, man. You know, we, we you know we keep winning, right? Whether the team wins or not, we get to talk about the Bucks, and it would prove itself to be true because the very next game, um, the Bucks lost to the Saints, 31-24. Yeah. to 24. And that was the the Teddy Bridgewater's (laughs) game. That was our game versus Teddy Bridgewater, who we, you know, we were just like, oh, Teddy Bridgewater, still pretty hot, who the Saints are still pretty hot going into the playoffs. Yep, yeah, and and it would not turn around for a while, Brandon. We ended up losing to the Panthers, 37-26. Then we lost to the Titans. Should have won that game, 27-23. But they're also in the playoffs now, too. I mean, they are. They, they are. That's the thing, guys, is the difference between uh, a playoff team and a non-playoff team is often um, flipping those one-score close games. And that's what I'm looking for out of the Bucks next season. But we redeemed it, man. We came back. We won against the Cardinals, 30-27. to And that was a close one. Um, but uh, then the very next week, we, we had a tough time. We had a tough time. This was probably the most embarrassing loss of the season, we lose to the Saints 34 to 17. We just looked outclassed mm. in every respect. And that was Breeze. And that was just all Drew Breeze. I mean, you got to give Breeze where Breeze's credits due, who, you know, yeah, honestly. You have to. Ugh. You have to. Yep. But but listen, I mean, we, we, we were not done. We were not done. The Bucks would not quit on this season. At that point, it was looking a little bit bleak. But the Bucks Are we talking turned about playoffs? No, we're not talking about playoffs. Oh. Um, playoffs? Um, no, the Bucks did win, though, 35-22. Uh, to 22, And I watched that game live in ATL right next to my father-in-law and um, uh, my wife's sister. And um, I, I embarrassed them. I made friends with all the Bucks fans. We were high-fiving. It was fun. Um, we beat them 35-22. to 22. And this started the little streak we went on, didn't it? We had... Um, the Falcons game, <clears throat> excuse me, the Jags game, beat the Jags 28 to 11. Then we beat the Colts 38 to 35. That was a fun game and to watch. It was, it was. And and uh, that was, of course, a, a big comeback game. Um, and we turned around and beat the Lions. Um, we just trounced them, didn't have a chance, 38 Had to 17. Had Lions for Thanksgiving. You called it. You did. Um the, the but but here's here's my big thing and and this was a little bit disappointing we're going to talk a little bit about just kind of what we saw from the bucks some highs and lows from this season uh, or or maybe just some things we liked and didn't like but i wasn't a huge fan of the way we ended the season now 
I know we were down our top two wide receivers, and I think in large, it, it played a big role in our competitiveness oh, huge in these last role. two games. Huge role. It did. You, you got it. Did. You got it because you're also talking about the thir- our fourth wide receiver who respectively could have tied for third, but Rashad Perryman took that spot with his right. incredible ending to his season. But we, we lost three really good wide receivers that kind of hurt yeah. Jameis and the rest of the offensive side of the ball that kind of depleted the rest of the season. But we also got eliminated from the playoffs at the same time. So that's, yeah. yeah, and and it was just kind of like um one of those things where you're just looking for any sort of life, any sort of spark of we will fight for wins when it doesn't technically matter, right? And and we did fight in the Texans game, and it, we ended that game 23-20. to We lost, of course, on uh, the right arm of Jameis Winston, and then we lost the Falcons game 28-22 on a pick six to end overtime. But listen, Brandon, we were competitive. In the foot of Matt Gay, that's true, that's true. Um we were competitive in those games, though. Yes. The defense, the defense yes. balled out, and and my big takeaway from the season is is two things. It's twofold. It's culture and it's defense. These are my two big takeaways from the season. In the beginning of this the year, it it seemed like the Bucks were the same old Bucks, where we would lose close games, we would shoot ourselves in the foot. We ended the season the most penalized team in the National Football League. And, and that's, I mean, that's on par with Bucks football. And it seemed as though the culture hadn't changed and maybe wouldn't change. Um, and I know on our little, little losing streak, a lot of people, a lot of people doubted Bruce. But we turned it around. And I'm proud of this team, the resiliency, the culture that's changing. And, it, and really, truly, one of the reasons why we turned it around was the dominance of our defense. It's awesome to see. And those are my two big takeaways from the season. Do you have any have any other takeaways from the season before we jump into free agency? Nah, man. I think you hit it right on par. We guys, it was good to see a culture change. We hadn't we talked about it in one of our podcasts a couple weeks ago. It was good to see finally that the ship was riding on the right course. You know, the team was buying into what Bruce was selling and it it was all three sides of the ball, defense, special teams, offense. They were all buying into it. It was just beautiful to see. I can't wait to see what Bruce does this offseason because it will finally be his imprint. Imprint. We could have had 10, maybe 11, 11 wins this year. We could have been in the playoffs with a really stout NFC. I mean, this was a really tough division this year. It wasn't just the South. It was – okay. Not the Everybody East. Everybody but Come the on. East. Everyone but the East. Come on now. Everyone but the East. Let, let's let's get real about that for a second. Everyone but the East was a tough division. I mean, there's literally two teams in the other divisions that are playing now. And it's just mind-blowing to think that we could have been one of those divisions that had two teams in the playoffs where if it wasn't foot for the foot of Matt Gay or the arm of... Jameis Winston I mean I don't want to put it like that but there's three games where or four games really yeah that you put on Jameis and Matt Gay were 11 and 5 and in the playoffs yeah and Bruce said it man he said or, that this this we had the, t- the talent to win 10 games and I think at the end of the day you know we we struggled because of shooting ourselves in the foot of making those small bad decisions um, that ended up being, you know, game killers and the things that we thought we could overcome that we ultimately couldn't. Interceptions, penalties, you know, turnovers in general, missed kicks, 
all that kind of stuff, it, it resulted in, you know, a team that ended up being sub 100. I'm looking next season for us to correct some of those things and to be even more competitive in our games next season. Absolutely. All right, let's get on to free agency because even though the season's over, we still have some time before the NFL season is over. So they're still part of our team for right now until that final touchdown in the Super Bowl. Um, these are really, I'm just hitting the unrestricted free agents. I'm not talking about the restricted free agents or anyone like that. I'm just talking about the unrestricted free agents. I named over a couple of them already, but uh, Sam Ar- or Archo, who I have no idea. He was an outside linebacker, never really heard of him. I don't know if you have Andrew Adams, Bo Allen, Peyton Barber, Shaq Sack Barrett, who's obviously going to get resigned, Demarc Dotson, possibly retirement, um, Blank Albert. We're Put a, put a fork in that. We'll get back to that one in a second. Uh, Gerald Hawkins, uh, Kevin Minter, Carl Nassib, Rakeem, Rash- Ooh, got me. <laughs> Rashad Perryman, JPP, Ryan Smith, Doreen Stewart, Nakonwikin. Oh, my goodness. Tongue, <laughs> tongue, tongue-tied. Sue, Earl Wat- Watford, Josh Wells. Oh, my gosh. I can't even talk now. <laughs> and Jameis. Jameis, nothing but picks, Winston um so yeah out of those guys there's a lot and most of them are defensive players that are need or no we need to get re-signed um regardless obviously first one Shaq Zach Barrett who you know who knows what his his intentions are but I know he wants to come back all all these guys want to come back Sue um Carl Nassif JPP you know all these guys want to come back so what you know how are we going to go about this when the one the the salary cap's going up two bruce arian got hit with a team that was hurting in the salary cap department so how do we do that we fixed jpp's contract we freed up some you know cap space so how are we going to spread out that money versus also having to get a quarterback who i hate to say it, this guys but we're not drafting a quarterback in the first round at 14 we're not, it's just not going to happen yeah, we we're gonna pay Jameis, and not it's not gonna be thirty million that he wants, unfortunately. But that could just be sending him out the door. But we also have Blaine Gabbert, who's been on IR all year. He's not a terrible quarterback either, but he is. But we didn't really get to see him play because he's been injured. So okay, now I'm gonna get some hate, but whatever. Go ahead. And j- Okay, so out of the list that you said, are are your highlights the ones that you would want to bring back? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay, so let me list off the ones that you said you want to bring back just in, in total, and then I'll kind of give you where I'm standing. So uh, out of the, the list of total unrestricted free agents, uh, Shaq Barrett, uh, and, and these are in no particular order, um, Shaq Barrett, Peyton Barber, Bo Allen, Blaine Gabbert, Carl Nassib, Brashard Perryman, JPP, Nadama Kansu, you see how I said that, like, you know, Nadama Kansu, yeah, it's, you know, okay. it's very, all right, anyway, all right. Uh, <laughs> Josh Wells and James Winston, okay, so this is where I would differ, and again, these are in no particular order, but I would bring back Shaq, well, okay, that one's number one, okay, uh, Shaq, JPP, and Sue, those have to be, like, the top three options, and I almost put Jameis Winston in a different category, simply because it's such a perplexing and difficult and weird situation that if we're if we're just talking about, like, the guys that have performed well and that you would love to see back, but, like, you have to figure out the money, these, I, I, my top three would be Shaq, then JPP, and then Adama Kinsu. I like Carl Nassib. 
I really do. Uh, we, we also have Anthony Nelson, who is coming off of injury. Maybe he can take that place. Carl Nassib has done, done a lot to deserve the money that some team will pay him. I just don't think it'll be the Bucks. So, I, man, would I like to see him back? Yeah, but I just I just don't know if that's going to happen. I like Raheem Nunez Rochas. I think he's... I think he's a stout guy. He's a good locker room guy, but at the same time, he he produces. He's he's great for the run, and he's a good rotational guy. He's not coming off the edge like Carl Nassib, but I also think we're gonna have to add depth anyway. And so, if we can save some money, maybe with Carl Nassib and, and letting him go to and test free agency, I might let him do that and bring back Raheem Nunez Rochez. All, right. um, All right, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. And I would let I, Peyton Barber walk. I would let Peyton Barber walk. And this is what I'm going to say is he's he's a great guy. He's been in this organization. He's been consistently – he's Mr. Three Yards. But we need more than Mr. Three Yards. We we need to add, in my opinion, add a back from either free agency or from the draft late rounds that could be someone who is a backup to Ronald bad, Jones. We've had bad, bad luck with late round running backs. Let's just go out yeah. and get a free agent running back, unfortunately. <laughs> Listen, either but way, I, do I, don't, agree. I don't care either way. And, and you're right, and the reason why I put him on the list is because we don't really have depth at the running back position right now. So I put him there almost with like a little, you know, asterisk sign right there because what are we going to do at, you know, at the running back position? Because not only are we, you know, we got Rojo, but we can't just rely on Ronald Jones, you know, game in and game out. He's going to need to rotate in, you know, in and mm-hmm. out, in and out. So there was, that was my, I guess my little flag there because like, you know, we also have to pay other people and the draft picks that we're bringing in. So that was my little fork right there. Obviously, it wouldn't be like a big deal because he's not producing. But then, you know, you're talking about people who have the opportunity to, you know, come in and take DeMar Dotson's spot, like Josh Wells, who, you know, came in when he was injured and played not great, but he had the opportunity to, if he would have a full offseason with the Bucks and, you know, work with the team, I feel like he could have a good opportunity maybe to stick with the Bucks and hopefully fill in DeMar Dotson's face, who we possibly could retire. He could, but I would also, I think I'd, I would uh, fork off of your list as well because I, I would actually target bringing Dot back on a small deal. Just to be mm, honest, with I just you. And I, I don't. I know. I just don't I know, see it. I know. I know. And I know the the penalties. I and I totally listen. I can see this argument from both sides with Dodd, um, because there's a lot. There's a lot to like. He's consistent. He's a warrior. He's been with the team a long time. He's available. He's a pro's pro, but he, he leaves a little bit to desire to be desired. Could you add someone in the draft that could be an upgrade? Eh, you 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 may very well be able to. Um, so it, it kind of depends on what their their plans are going into the draft. Um, so if they're looking to upgrade the the tackle position, they may let Dot walk, or maybe they're looking to add a stud left tackle and move Donovan Smith over to right tackle. Who knows? Mm. But if they're not planning on going offensive line, God forbid, then I would keep Dot. So that's yeah. just uh, just looking at who we currently have, right. projecting into the next season. Right. We're not doing, we're not what, we're not thinking about the draft. We're just thinking about all our free agents and like who we still have and who we could reti- or potentially still resign. Now let's go ahead and talk about it. the last guy on the list, 
Jameis Winston. We no 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 one more guy oh. before Jameis Winston. Oh, okay, Brashard per- Brashard Perriman, and this oh, is actually gonna. Okay. I think this is actually gonna be a little difficult for the Bucks to do. He performed at an incredible level these past couple of games, and I think teams are gonna see that man. And you know that's for the reason why the Bucks picked him up was because he had a great end to the season. You know where he was before on the Browns, and so. I mean, teams are going to see that the, the, the wide receiver position, it's its not easy to get a great wide receiver. Uh, it's not as easy as it is, you know, you can find a running back anywhere. Um, but finding a good wide receiver, a good number two, or how Brashard Perriman's been playing at the level of a number one. Who knows if that's staying? We got, we, okay, let's be real, guys. We got three number one wide receivers. Let's just be real. No, 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 no. Two number ones and a number two. He, listen. Bashar Perriman has elevated himself, and in my mind, and I think in the minds of the coaches, but I think he also has a lot of leverage. So we'll see if they're able to bring him back. Looking down the list, I can't see of anybody else that you left off that I would be sad if they walked. Um, you know, Ryan Smith, of course, the special teams ace. Maybe you bring him back for special teams, but we'll see. I mean, there's also a lot of free agents that you could do, you know, the same thing of being a runner. But Gunner, yep, sorry, exactly. But but let's go ahead and talk about it. The you know the elephant in the room, Jameis Winston, he's going to be a free agent. What do we do now? Keep in mind, I have already said it once tonight. We are not going to pick a quarterback the first round. Mm-hmm. Micah, I'm just saying that now. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> but we have to build an offensive line to protect him. So my thing is, if we tag him or whatever pay him 20 million not 30 20 i bumped it down 10 okay i'm saying 20 just for a number right now just pay him enough to be like here here's some money you're coming back on a one two-year deal 20 million a year whatever they decide to do so that would be 40 million a year for two years okay it's not a terrible deal but he's got to show the bucks have they have to have the leverage on him if yeah. he does not perform up to their standards of the turnover ratio, I'm not saying touchdowns or yardage or anything like that, in a playoff appearance, because that's where they're at now. They they have the opportunity to make the playoffs. You know. Yeah, they have the talent. They definitely have the talent. So that's the Bucks' leverage, in my opinion. You have to go in there with the leverage saying, hey, you need to make this, this, and this happen, or we're going to cut ties with you. And your contract's gonna, you know, be be ripped in half. That's just yeah. my opinion. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of people who don't want to bring him back, but there's a lot of people that say, well, what else is out there? Yeah. The Bengals, the, yeah. you know, there's a lot of teams that are going to be losing quarterbacks this year just for the simple fact is they have no quarterback. They yeah. really don't. So I don't know. Well, and. So let me let's preface this with what Bruce Arians said in his press conference. Again, let me stress this: go watch the press conference. It is one of the most insightful press conferences that a Bucks coach has ever given. I'm dead serious. He said so many things and so many little nuggets that are just, I mean, gold mines to figuring out kind of the mentality of the coaches. They're already in negotiation mode, Brandon. I mean, they are already there he is full in and so is Jameis I mean you saw him at his press conference that was not that was not the Jameis that I am accustomed to usually it's team first Jameis usually it's I gotta do better Jameis this one he's like check your sheet I'm a baller like he said that and I was like whoa he's already in contract negotiation mode because both sides need leverage and so this is what Bruce Arian said he was asked if the team could win with another quarterback 
He said, with another quarterback? Oh, yeah, we can win with this one. We can definitely win with another one, too. Now, I don't know if I've ever seen Buck's Twitter get so up in arms about one little word. <laughs> and some of the reporters in, inserted the word if, um, and it got a lot of people angry. But the reality is, is if you go back and watch it, the tone of Bruce Arians was he was supremely confident in his system, in his plan, with or without Jameis. Now, where the Bucks are at, I think the only move they have, Brandon, the only move they have that makes the most sense if they want to compete next year, is just you got to franchise or give them a one-year deal and see if if some magic can happen in the offseason. Go see a sports psychologist, right? <laughs> Go do something to try and get these picks out of your system. And let's see if we can play some competitive football next year, and then you can get your deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of think that's where the Bucks are standing at. And that's why, you know, when I heard one of the commentators, it was either this last game or the game before, were saying, you know, like, um, or no, I agreed with one of them saying, like, he's already earned his contract for whatever he's earned for the season because these last two games we've already been eliminated. You know the evaluation period's over now. It's just fin- trying to finish the season at above 500, which we had the opportunity to do, but it didn't happen. So um, I don't know. It's gonna be fun to see. We got a lot to talk about for the, these next couple weeks coming up. Speaking of which, these next couple weeks coming up, guys, real quick, Micah, you wanna give them a little update? Why throw it up on the screen? For sure, man. We are going to be changing just a tad um, our off-season schedule. So um, in the off-season, of course, there's less to talk about, and um, we also want to spend a little bit more time with our family, just to be honest with you guys. And uh, we hope you guys will respect that decision of trying to pare back just a little bit in the off-season. So we're going to be going to an every-other-week schedule. We'll still be the same day, Wednesday nights, but we're going to be adjusting the time just a little bit as well. Um, so we're going to actually be doing it at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central Time. So it'll alternate every other week, and we'll keep you guys posted through social media. So if you're not already following us on Beware the Bay um, on Instagram and Twitter or Beware the Bay Podcast on Facebook, um, we'll still be pumping out a lot of Bucks content. We'll just be putting out a podcast every other week. It'll be focused on the NFL Draft and Bucks News. And uh, some weeks there will be a little bit more of one, a little bit more of the other. It just kind of flows with the uh, with what's coming out of one buck place. You know what I mean? So we're excited about the off-season schedule just to get a little bit of a break. And we hope you guys will understand and support us and get excited about the NFL draft and Bucks news content yeah, coming your way. Absolutely. All right. So let's finish it. Or let's get going to finishing up our show real quick. Uh, our final predictions for the season were the Micah. Your score was. You know, um, for for this game, is that what we're, yeah. we're talking about? Yep. Yeah, yep. I I had the Bucks winning twenty seven twenty. I had it, them winning by a possession, um, but I was wrong. What did you have? I had twenty eight sixteen. I had kind of had like almost a, a little bit of a blowout. Maybe the Falcon, you know, a couple of field goals here and there. But yeah, that didn't happen. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not at all. The actual final score um, was the Falcons won uh, twenty eight. To 22 is that correct yes make sure okay good 28 22 and um you know i gotta give him props jeff my father-in-law he called it he said the falcons are gonna win by a possession and it was so frustrating for him to be right he's uh he's one of those uh like finance guys so he's just always right about everything 
It's frustrating. Um, you know, one of these days I'll best him. Uh, but um, uh. listen, man. Hey, look, we got a couple more things to talk about, Brandon. You got a little bit more yeah. time. We can. Yeah. Um, okay. So I would like to talk about some of Bruce Arian's comments from his press conference real quick. Um, I think we've hit most of them, but let me just give you a, f- a few more quotes and um, kind of get your instant reaction from them. How's that sound? Sounds good. Okay. So Bruce Arians tells the media to save their breath about Jameis Winston's future because a decision hasn't been made. It says the evaluation will take a few weeks, but it won't be revealed until around March. What do you think mm. about that timeline? Um, okay. I mean, what more can you? I mean, what more can you do for a guy? I mean, all he's gonna do is just get some phone calls from teams who are struggling at the quarterback position right now, as as it is, because you got teams in like Tennessee who had a you know the same guy pretty much Mariota their starter he's not a starter no more I mean they have Ryan Tannehill starting in the playoffs for them I mean yeah and they're talking about a long-term deal with him <laughs> I mean come on now let's get realistic here and then Ryan Fitzmagic down there in Miami I mean like how much longer is he going to be playing I mean let, yeah. let's you got to start looking around the league at some of these quarterbacks who Tom Brady how much longer is he going to be playing for the Patriots you know like of course, that Belichick tree, you know, those backup quarterbacks have grown out, and both of them are starting in the playoffs. This, all three of them are starting in the playoffs this year. So that's kind of mind-boggling to see. So you're talking about, you know, quarterbacks, you know, the need is there. There's multiple injuries. Cam Newton was injured this year, you know. So there's multiple quarterbacks that are out there who were on injury that could possibly be released, cut, whatever, retire. So Big Ben and – um this Pittsburgh. So I think there could be some teams reaching out being like, Hey, we like what you're doing. We can cut down those interceptions. We'll teach you how blah, 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 blah. Try mm-hmm. to like, you know, you know, snooze them in, but his heart might be here in Tampa. Who knows? I mean, he played football here in Florida. Um, he, you know, it, he's not far from his home in Alabama. So keep him here at home. Uh, yeah, I hear you. I do. And I think, the big question is got its interest from both sides, and both sides have a lot of variables that go into their their mentality coming into negotiations. Make no mistake about it, guys. This is now we have now begun the business portion of their relationship. Before yep. this, it could have been a father son relationship type relationship, mentor mentee relationship with Bruce Arians and Jameis. Now it is two businessmen coming to the room, and they both have people talking in their ear. Yep. Um, you know, you you could. I mean, you got the Glazers, Jason Light, Bruce Arians, all potentially have different opinions. Then you got Jameis Winston, who he could turn down a deal. He didn't have to, he could sit out a year if he doesn't like a franchise tag. He's got some leverage and an agent that's trying to get paid too. So if you offer him, if you offer him 20 mil, that ain't, I I don't think he, he doesn't even sniff that paper, man. I think he's, he's looking for upwards of 30. He'll probably get tagged. It's probably what's going to happen, but when Arians was asked about his evaluation process of Winston, he said that part of it is assessing his other options. And he he phrased it this way. He said, what's behind door number two? That's the first question, which is interesting to me. That his Part of his evaluation of Winston is not just the picks, the touchdowns, the yards, the routes. They have the game plan. They know who's how many picks were on Winston, how many weren't. We don't need coach speak anymore. They're going to literally evaluate every single throw. Okay. But at the same time, they're also going to evaluate who's coming in the draft. I know it sounds crazy, but they're going to evaluate that. 
they're going to evaluate who's in free agency yeah. and um, who, they, who they have under contract already. So it'll be interesting to see. All right, and, Saints, um, go ahead and put uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, Teddy Bridgewater is a free agent? Oh, you know what? I'll pick him up. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, mean, I, I think to do his due diligence, you have to consider all the options. I mean, there. I mean, there's. I mean, that's why you know when he said March they wouldn't have a you know an agreement or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just don't care about the timeline. I just care about what gets done and what's best for the team. All I, you know, as a Bucks fan, all I care about winning Super Bowls. And that's just yeah. how everyone, you know, is feeling right now is we're getting ready for 2020 where our Super Bowl is in our backyard. Let's get ready for that Super Bowl. Like, let's forget about the Super Bowl that's going on in Miami right now. Let's focus on what's fixing to come up here in Tampa next year. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, uh, next, and I'll just go ahead and skip uh, Matt Gay. We talked about bringing in some uh, kicking competition opposite him just to give him a little extra incentive to uh, to maybe will some of those some more of those kicks in. He talked about that. And then uh, Bruce Arian says that Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, and Adama Kinsu are all top priorities for him in free agency. He really wants to keep the front seven together. And, um, you know, just a it's it's so evident his desire to keep this defense intact and he even said if you watch the full presser that he would express to you know the the general manager and to ownership his desire to keep that defense together Todd Bowles said the same thing how do you feel about their going all in with this front seven I mean if they're all in they're all in they have I mean it's just gonna be the money thing I think that's where the it's gonna get kind of very interesting you know who knows you know we might see some generosity i mean we've seen it before from different players around the league where you know they don't get they don't want a big contract because they want to help their team who knows you know it would be nice to see that kind of that mentality from someone now i don't want to say anyone's being greedy or anything when they get like a they deserve i'm not saying that at all they deserve every bit of money that they earn whether it's going to be a hundred plus million or 200 plus million or whatever it's going to be for Shaq Barrett. Cause I mean, that man is a million dollar man, like a hundred million dollar man paid. right now. He's going to get paid. But at the so. same time, I mean, you got guys like a Kirk cousins who, I, I mean, can you, <laughs> you like believe, that? You like can that? you believe, can you believe the amount of money that, the, that somebody's got Jared Goff uh, getting paid? So we but, say, okay. Hey, they deserve it. But at the same time, you, okay. you need to make sure you don't overpay. But here's the thing. All those guys who got, overpaid look at their offensive line now trying to protect them they have no one to protect them and i think that's where a lot of the teams are struggling you have to also pay those guys to protect if you're not going to protect if i'm not going to pay you to protect the quarterback who's earning a couple you know look at the guys in uh new england over the years they got paid to protect tom brady and tom brady stayed healthy versus that one year you know to play football and he took pay cut after pay cut yeah, after pay exactly. cut after well, pay cut what i was cut. about to say is tom took a lot of pay cuts too and and it, that's the thing is the money's got to go somewhere and we have a lot of highly paid guys on our offensive line who let's give it up for some of these guys too i mean kappa had some some struggles but he's he's bounced back in a lot of ways ali marpet's been his usual self jensen's a dog he's been great and donovan smith's had a, a, a decent season he's he's played well and i didn't necessarily expect him to play as well as he did so Really, what you're looking at is just can you upgrade some of these positions? And you might be able to upgrade the tackles. You could be able to bring in uh, a guard potentially if you needed to bring somebody in for depth. So, 
you know, we're in a pretty good place with our offensive line. And if we can get the run game going, you know, we, we're giving – and we have a defense. We're giving this quarterback, whoever it may be, whether it's number three or not, we're giving them all the pieces they need to exceed, succeed. Now it's on them to make the decisions and the, put out the play that's worthy of the money that could potentially be given them. Absolutely, absolutely. After During this offseason, I'm going to go out and get me a Shaq Parrott uh, jersey. That's my goal. Dude. Dude, I mean, I'm I'm for it, man. If, if, you know, if Shaq happens to be listening, um, you know, I mean, two guys um, might like a jersey. You know, we support you, we love you. We're excited for another 25 sack season next year. You know, I'm I'm putting the bar high. I think you can break it. You know, I mean, we we might enjoy. I take this jersey off right now. Just gotta be. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, well, but do, anyways, do you want to move on? Maybe talk a little bit about coaches fired and hired, and then wrap things yeah. up. Let's uh let's talk about the draft real quick. Um, so the draft is in Las Vegas this year. Um, the Raiders are moving to Las Vegas, so it'll be the year of the Vegas Raiders, uh, twenty twenty. Um, but we have it is locked in the fourteenth overall pick. Uh, so let's move on to some of these coaches. We are almost done with our podcast here, but the Cleveland Fires fired both their head coach and G um Freddie Kitchens and John Dorsey. Which kind of was a surprise after a one one and done uh, season. I mean, you want to anything you want to add there or? Well, I mean, you brought a lot of pieces together. I was a little bit surprised about the GM decision, but we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I thought he brought in a lot of talent, uh, and I thought he did a good job, but it's it's just a little surprising to me. Yeah, uh, Giants fired Pat Shermer. Um, the or the team retained uh, GM Dave Gettleman. Uh, kind of weird how i mean it kind of happened here in tampa over the last couple years where we fired the head coach but kept the gm so who knows what's going on down there in the giants now um washington or i'll get back to the giants in a second but the washington redskins um fired jay gruden in october at the beginning of october and they are set to hire former panthers head coach river boat ron rivera so uh he's not in our division anymore thank god you but, know what? Good, good for him. Good for him. I mean, he's he seems like a great guy, family man, and he's had a lot of success where he's been. I thought it was unceremonial how they dismissed him and fired him, especially on a day when the players weren't there. So good for him to find a new place. Absolutely, absolutely. Now going back to the Giants real quick, they have requested to the Ravens to interview their defensive coordinator, Wink Mar- uh, Martle, Mart Mardale, or whatever. Martindale. Martindale, <laughs> thank you. I I I'm illiterate. I kind I can't <laughs> read. <laughs> um, with the raising with the Ravens having a bye week this week in the playoffs, they um that meeting could happen, but it could not happen. It's up to the Ravens to let that meeting happen. Um, the Giants, along with the Panthers and the Browns, who I already talked about the Browns, but I'll talk about the Panthers in a second. Um, they've all request have requested permission to interview Patriots offensive coordinator again, again. Josh McDaniels, and we're in the same boat we were last year. Lions fans would hate to hear this, but I'm sorry. I don't see him leaving the Patriots because I think he's the next man up there in New England, but that's that. (laughs) It's weird. It's so weird, man. I mean, the I understand, like, he they've orchestrated some good offenses over the years, but how could you man i don't know man maybe i'm just such a i have such a high standard for character and sticking to your word but like when you've all together said hey i'm gonna come and coach for you and then you 
you bail out and you go back to your former team. It's just, I don't know, man. I, I don't know the extenuating circumstances, but I wouldn't get anywhere near Josh McDaniels. Yeah, that's, to me, it's just, mm, yeah, it's pretty rough. I don't know. Anyways, um, Dallas, or sorry, let's go to the Panthers real quick. Panthers obviously fired Riverboat Ron Rivera on December 3rd, but he looks like he's already got his job locked in secure. However, um, they already re- reportedly interviewed, this is coming from the guys over in, uh, Oh, Jesus. I'm not going to read that comment just yet because I'm fixing to get to the Dallas. The Panthers fired Riverboat Ron on December 3rd, and they reportedly interviewed former Packers head coach Mike McCarthy. Um, they also have plans to interview Baylor's head coach, Mike Rule. So that's pretty interesting. Um, I, I would like to see Mike McCarthy get a second chance. Um, maybe not in our division, though. Yeah. <laughs> not in yeah. our division. Not in our division. Let's leave the Panthers, you know, coach list and let them scramble yeah. all, all offseason. I, I yeah, like that works. That. I, I mean, like that a lot. Steph Curry <laughs> could just come coach for him. That's fine. He's a big, Ooh, he's a big ouch. Panthers fan. I don't know. Ooh, yeah. yeah, there's that. And then let's talk about let's talk about the Dallas Crybabies. I mean Dallas Cowboys. Um, it, <laughs> it is likely that um, they are to let Garrett Vaughn's contract expire at the end of this season. So whenever the playoffs are, but the we NFL still don't know over. what's going on with that. I mean, we still have no clue. Um, like Jerry Jones is just the weirdest guy. Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones wants to hire a guy that's just just going to be another yes man. But who's gonna yeah. actually coach? I, I hate to say it, um, but um, Dan or one of our listeners, Daniel, he just said in the comments, and it made me laugh. It totally messed up what I was trying to say when I was talking. <laughs> Good job, Daniel. He said Tom Brady to <laughs> Tom Brady to the Dallas Cowboys, brother. <laughs> if the if Tom Brady ever goes to the to the Dallas Cowboys, I will never ever 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 watch another Dallas Cowboy game again because I will never hear it from my uncle ever again. My uncle's a Dallas Cowboy fan for life. I will never hear the end of it. So no, yeah. no, no, no. Anyways, going back to the head coaching decision. I don't know. Jerry Jones is one of those guys. He's he wants a yes man, um, but there have been rumors, just names going out of potential guys. Oklahoma's head coach Lincoln Riley, um, mm-hmm. Urban Meyer, and Matt Rule from Baylor. So those three names have been floating around. But Urban Meyer has definitely been a big name floating around on all head coaching carousels. Um, some the more shocking news in the coaching world. Jaguars and the Falcons retained all, both their head coach and general managers this year for going into 2020. So to me, wow. Hmm. I don't know. I hope the Falcons just crumble even more. Tell your father-in-law that. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, I'll relay the message, but I'm going to give him your name, your phone number. You know, I'm going to give him your availability and you might get a nasty text, but it is what it is. He doesn't watch these podcasts. I'm just assuming this. I mean, I'd, I'd, I've never asked him, so he could be hearing all this stuff I'm saying. About well, uh, no, I'm just uh, Mr. Micah's father-in-law, if you are listening to this, yes, the Falcons are there in crumble in 2020. Okay, there, I said it. Anyways, Actually, dude, yeah, I, that's think, all the- I think it's the complete opposite. And I know this sounds, and listen, I'm sorry. It is what it is. They looked really good. They ended the season like five and two, six and two, something crazy. Uh, and then they're bringing their same coaching staff back. They've got continuity. Matt Ryan still looks pretty suspect, but if they off- upgrade the offensive line, they could be formidable. But listen, the Bucks are going to be much better too. So hopefully it'll be competitive yep. next year. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about some playoffs. And We're listen, we got, we got to do this quick. We got to do this quick. I know. We're going to talk about it real quick. We'll talk about the playoffs real quick. Uh, let's see. This weekend, we got the Titans going to the New England Patriots for 
what is good to be a good matchup. This is going to be both Saturday games are going to be the AFC uh, the right. vi- or wild card game and then the Bills and Texans also as well. And so uh, I think just how it works, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong. So we won't be podcasting. Let's see here. Let me pull this up. I want to make sure we get the dates right. So we, we are going to be podcasting pod- next week, but we'll be podcasting on the 15th. Yes, that is okay. correct. So we'll we'll be able to uh, we'll need to do our predictions for both the wild card and the divisional. Is that correct? We'll try our best. Yeah, I okay. guess. Yeah, we'll double down on that this week. I guess. um okay let's see here so here's my prediction of the the wild card and oh man see it just makes it a little bit more difficult how does so then all right you just give me you give me your prediction i have it in front of me so give me your prediction i'll I'll give you a prediction for the wild cards okay so i've got the patriots over the text uh the titans okay so if the patriots win they'll be playing the chiefs on sunday or the following sunday okay and then um, I'll go ahead and do the rest of the divi- the divisional, and then you can let me know where I'm at, okay? All right. Or the rest of the wild card. Okay, so then I've got the Bills over the Texans. Okay, so the Bills would obviously be playing the number one Ravens okay. at 8-15 on Saturday. Okay. Then I've got the Saints over the Vikings. Saints over the Vikings. See, that one's a tough one. I think it just depends on who wins what. Um, they, all three of those te- or there's three teams of Seahawks, Eagles, or you said the Vikings. Yeah. Oh, so the Vikings would play the 49ers. Sorry. So the Saints. Uh, I might have a, a not updated bracket. Here. Oh wait, you said you. Sorry, you said Saints. You said Saints yeah, over the Vikings. I said Saints over the Vikings. Oh, the then they. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. They would play the uh, Packers. Actually. Okay. Got it. So then I've got the Seahawks over the Eagles. Yep. Okay. All right. So now give me what my next my next round of matchups will be, and then I'll give you those predictions. So you had the Saints, Packers, Patriots, Chiefs. Okay. I take uh, Saints over the Packers. All right. And I take the Patriots over the Chiefs. All righty. And then you said the Texans over the Bills. No, I said the Bills over the Texans. All right. So they would be playing the Ravens. Oh, that's pretty obvious. I'd take the Ravens. Alrighty, and then the last okay. one. Okay, said... and then Seahawks against San Francisco. Yep. Okay, and I'm you know what guys, I'm gonna pull. I I think the Seahawks pull it out. I do, I really mm. do. So my ultimate matchups for the divisional or for the conference would be uh, Seahawks and Saints, and I've got the Ravens and the Patriots. What do you? All have? right, real, all right, real quick. I'll run through mine real quick because I already got it all all playing out in the head i'm gonna hammer the titans plus five right now and then hammer them over the, the the patriots and then um then i have the bills beating the texans so that means i have the ravens beating the titans and then the bills beating the chiefs i feel like the bills could beat the chiefs yep i know clear your jumps right. whatever right. but i do have the ravens what cleaning house going to the super bowl i think we both said it and i think on the other side the saints beating the um vikings the seahawks beating the eagles because the eagles are trash so is the whole nfc east but then you're talking about a, a green bay packers versus the saints that's gonna be a good game but the saints beating the green bay packers and then the seahawks i don't agree with you i think the 49ers could win again over the seahawks but the saints beating the 49ers yeah. being a ravens 
Saints Super Bowl. We we have identical um, matchups for the Super Bowl, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, um, Saints and Ravens, and that will be, if that actually happens, guys, that'll be a fantastic Super Bowl. So looking forward to that. But listen, guys, remember, reminder, we're we're going to an every other week schedule this offseason, so next week we will not be podcasting, but it'll be the week after, and that date, I believe, is the 15th, January 15th, okay? We'll be broadcasting Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central Time. We're excited for this offseason. Talk draft, talk bucks, talk talk playoffs, whatever. Just hang out and with our you future op- And our future opponents, you know, obviously our division, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. you know, we finally locked in who were playing, the one team who were playing at home that was due to be determined that was the Rams and the giants away um but man we got a tough schedule that was that's gonna be coming up i thought it might have been tougher if we would have won but um yeah i mean it is what it is we'll, we'll talk about that through the off season but brandon you have any final thoughts nah man i think it's time to rest up get healthy and get ready to pay some players because guess what these guys need to get paid especially one in particular i've already said his name multiple times tonight his name is Shaq Zach Barrett, but his name is going to be said and known for decades and decades to come. Guys, Happy New Year, Micah. Send us home. Guys, thanks again. Man, this has been a fantastic season, and it's just getting started. We're so excited for the offseason and all that's to come. Thank you again, of course, to Bucks Report, uh, Beware of the Bay podcast. We we just wouldn't we be where we are. Wouldn't even have remotely the platform, the opportunity to do this. I mean, we were humbled and grateful that we're a part of this great network. And, um, of course, you can find them right here on Facebook at Bucks Report. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Beware the Bay and on Facebook at Beware the Bay Podcast. We'll be pumping out content even when we're not podcasting. So um, make sure to check us out there. And thank you again, faithful Bucks fans, for tuning into the podcast. And we will see you again in two weeks.